Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we'll be writing the script, marking the stage, and preparing for our close-ups as we take charge of directing and starring in our own blockbusters, our desired lives. Picture it. The musical score warms up the scene. Opening credits are scrolling. The viewer is engaged and trying to anticipate the beginning and where it will go. Will they be rocked and soothed with a heartwarming saga or shocked and moved to the edge of their seats with an unpredictable thriller? You choose because you're in charge of this story and how people perceive it. Wouldn't that be liberating? A chance to rewrite some darker times? The ones that didn't turn out as we planned or expected. Or the ability to pin the future full of possibilities. Don't forget our starring role, the lead character in this blockbuster. Will we be one of those characters that everyone falls in love with? Who they'll champion and cheer for? Or the reclusive and misunderstood? They'll spend the entire picture trying to figure out. Acting. Sure, but this is your life and your story. Have you ever really stopped and stepped back to take it all in? So many times we get stuck in our more challenging scenes. We let those difficult chapters of our lives shape and mold our characters, making it hard to pivot and come out a hero or a heroine. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am, let's face it. But imagine the booze you would get and the tickets you would have to refund if you left this character at the end of their rope. Perseverance, coming back harder, reinventing and reshaping the story to strive for more. That's what leaves a crowd cheering. But don't forget, after the applause dies down, the fans leave, the staff comes to clear the popcorn and forgotten personal items, there's just you and your life. This could be fun and a worthwhile exercise, thinking of our lives as a motion picture, picking our supporting characters, designing the scene, choreographing the lighting, music, and visual effects. It gives us that vantage point that is so important to frame things in the bigger picture. I mean, what does that even mean? It means gaining perspective. We can make small things into mountains and miss really important details that can rob us of our happiness, all because we can't see how this event fits into the bigger picture. So come on a journey with me through the silver screen as we look at our lives with a wide-angle lens, closing in on the meaningful moments and building suspense for what's to come. Cut! The beauty of being the director and the screenwriter is that you have the option of changing your mind and doing a rewrite. Strengthen your character's resolve, influencing the story with more compassion or grit, and for goodness sake, Don't inspect the basement.
Myrna Smith helps us with Rewrite Your Story, Change Your Life, found at the Happiness Academy. Your life is your story. Write well, edit often. From Susan Statham. How are you telling the story of your life? And no, I don't mean what is your pitch or brand or how you're presenting yourself to others. I mean, how are you telling your story to yourself? Who are you? What is your life all about? What's the main theme? What are the most important events and elements? Your life story is not a biography of the facts and events of your life. Instead, it's the way in which you integrate those facts and events internally, the way you make sense out of them. How do you make choices of what counts as important? How do you connect these things together and make meaning out of them? Such a narrative of your life becomes a strong part of your identity. What do your choices on what to include in it and how to tell it to others tell about yourself? A life story doesn't just say what happened. It also says why it was important, what it means to you, who did you become through it, and what is next for you. Once you tell your story to yourself or write it, you'll understand so many things about yourself. You can explore it through many questions and perspectives. Are you empowering yourself through your story or are you a victim of the circumstances? Is life a struggle or an adventure? Do things happen for a reason? Are you expecting the best or worst to happen next? What is the meaning and purpose of life? What really matters in life? What is the purpose of your life? Is the world a safe place and can we trust others? Do you sense trust from the words you use when telling your story? Or is there anxiety and fear coming through? How do you treat others? Are you kind? Can you trust them? Do you feel safe? Can you be open and authentic? How happy are you? How do you measure happiness and success? How do you build up your happiness? Why is life giving us challenges? And how do these challenges impact your life? What is the main tone and theme of your story? Think about the soundtrack. What would fit in? What would be the title of a movie or book made about your story? And probably the most important question, do you want to keep your story or do you want to change it? Does it work for you or perhaps rewriting it could make you happier and more empowered? Do you know that what is my story might be the single most important question you can ask yourself? Rewriting your story is not about being delusional that bad things are actually good or in denial about anything, but it's about finding meaning in the events of your life, recognizing the learning, growth, and how these events made you the person you are, and to appreciate that person. Our story is the lens through which we view life's events, 
our goals, and our relationships with others. We might not always be the captains of our lives, but we're fully in ownership of the story of our lives. If there's anything about your story that you're not sure about or that remains unclear, it might be time to clarify it and perhaps rewrite it. So ready to explore the rewrite of your story? Find a quiet and cozy place and let's start. Number one, sit quietly and close your eyes. Think back to your childhood. Start from as early as you remember and just let memories flow for a couple of minutes. Try to remember as vivid details as you can. Try to make it tangible and sensory, but don't get stuck on a single memory. Instead, keep on moving throughout your story. Number two, write down the story of your life. Mentioning the most meaningful moments, it could be events, relationships with a person, or something that you noticed or learned about yourself and your world. Something that shifted your beliefs and perhaps even your sense of identity. Anything that caused the course of your life to develop in the way that it is today. Do this within 15 to 20 minutes and not more than a couple of pages. Number three, discover the theme of your story. Read your story. Notice what are the most common verbs and themes that show up in your story. Circle down the main powerful words, emotions, and action verbs. Number four, give it a name. If this was a book or a movie, what would be the name of the story? Don't give it a name that you like or desire, but one that matches the story that you wrote and read. Number five, change your theme. What theme would you like your story to have? What movie or book title would be the desired one? What is the theme that feels inspiring or powerful to you? Write this new theme and title down. Number six, rewrite your story. Take a limited time of 15 to 20 minutes and a max of two pages of empty paper and rewrite your story from a perspective of a new theme. Don't hide or lie about anything. Just try to see it from a different perspective. For example, if your new perspective would be life is an exciting adventure, keep on asking yourself, if life is an exciting adventure, what did this event mean in my life? Number seven, let it rest. Then rewrite it again. Put the new story aside for a couple of days. Then get back to it and read the next story again. Go through the whole process again and keep on adjusting it in ways that feel empowering yet real and honest to your own story. Remember, enjoy the process. This is about reinventing yourself and taking back the power over your life. It can be challenging, but it's also a beautiful process worthy of enjoying. Owning our story and creating it into a story that is meaningful and powerful and yet authentic for us is probably the most powerful thing that one can do for their own happiness, life satisfaction, but also a sense of meaning and positive relationship 
with yourself. I grew up wanting to be an actress. Well, a movie star, really. My dad has tapes where he interviewed me at age five with this goal in mind. It was always overly dramatic and glamorous. I even had a movie star kiss in which you would touch your lips to someone else and theatrically move your head back and forth. This is what I saw and what I wanted to emulate. I only saw the end result, the lights, camera, action. I think about social media shares being a little like this, only seeing what others want you to see and not what's behind the scenes. This gives a false impression of not nearly the entire scope of someone else's existence. For someone impressionable, an unrealistic view to try and emulate. I once coached an 18-year-old who was suffering from feelings of not being good enough. Her life wasn't exciting enough, and she felt so underaccomplished. We dug a little deeper to find that the perception she had is that everyone was so much further in life than she was, and that she would never catch up. Cut. Rewrite needed over here. John Millen explores how do people perceive you on his blog. We like to say we don't judge people, but the truth is that we do. All the time. Our subconscious minds begin assessing people from the moment we see them, and they are judging us. It's human. It's how we evolved. Our evolutionary survival instinct has wired us to address basic questions about people. Can I trust this person? How is she feeling? Friendly? Angry? Is there a threat? After the initial impression, if there is no threat, we'll continue to gather more information about who they are and how we relate. Being tribal animals, we'll evaluate their status relative to ours. Our minds will continue to process based on many factors simultaneously. We look at how they're dressed, how they walk, their confidence level, their facial expressions. Are they smiling? Are they sad? These are all analyzed by our subconscious minds instantly and recalibrated again and again as we reassess. In his landmark book, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking, Malcolm Gladwell goes deep on analyzing the process of thin slicing that allows our subconscious mind to make correct instantaneous judgments based on a myriad of factors. In one example, Gladwell documents how quickly students could accurately gauge the effectiveness of a college professor whom they've never met or even heard. So here's an excerpt. How long did it take you when you were in college to decide how good a teacher your professor was? A class? Two classes? A semester? The psychologist Nalini Ambadi once gave students three 10-second videotapes with the sound turned off and found they had no difficulty at all coming up with a rating of the teacher's effectiveness. Then Ambadi cut the clips back to five seconds, and the ratings were the same. They were remarkably consistent even when she showed the students just two seconds. 
Then she compared those snap judgments of teacher effectiveness with evaluations of those same professors made by their students after a full semester of class, and she found that they were also essentially the same. A person watching a silent two-second video clip of a teacher he or she has never met will reach conclusions about how good the teacher is that are very similar to those of a student who has sat in the teacher's class for an entire semester. That's the power of the adaptive unconscious. It raises the question of how we are perceived by others. What signals are you sending to others by your behavior, style of dress, manner of speaking, and body language? When people think of you, how do they perceive you? Do they think of you as friendly, annoying, smart? What is your personal brand? The words that they use to describe you are a good indication of your personal brand, their perception of your reputation. This is important because people's perception of you is reality. If they believe you're selfish, then they will assume every word you say and everything you do is to benefit you and no one else. During a recent keynote talk on leader communication, the audience was asked to write down three adjectives that others would use to describe them. On the slide, there were two columns of positive words, such as trustworthy, energetic, and capable, and another two columns listing more negative words like belligerent, greedy, and secretive. It's no surprise the audience tended to choose from the more positive words. Then a volunteer was chosen from the audience who had to be okay with being talked about by audience members. A tall, well-dressed woman came forward and someone at her table who had just met her was asked to give three adjectives to describe her. Someone else who'd known her for years was asked to do the same. Then the woman gave three words she thought people would use to describe her. All three were quite different. This is the perception gap, the difference between how we perceive ourselves and how others really perceive us. During these workshops, the business people were asked to take the three adjectives and test them with friends, family, and business associates to see if their perception is still on mark. Through follow-up emails, it's known that for many people, it can be a revelation. Other people think of them much differently than they think of themselves. This simple exercise is one small step in the process of understanding people's perception of you, your personal brand. For leaders, this can be a critical success factor. Try this. What words describe you? What three adjectives would other people use to describe you? Are they the three you want to describe you? Are they consistent with how you intend to project yourself? Give it a try. Ask others you trust the three words they use to describe you. For the best results, ask friends, neutral people, and even possible adversaries what adjectives they would use. Anyone who has met me would describe me as outgoing. People who really know me would say, I talk a lot. And people who really, really know me 
would tell you that I'm compassionate and kind. Interesting. All are true, but we have our surface level perception, then mid-level, and then a little more exposure, and there's our core, the real us. Behind the scenes, when the makeup comes off and the stage lights are out, an intimate portrait of our true nature. It's difficult to let our true nature come through when we're held hostage by our past narrative. Dr. Benjamin Hardy helps us with how to rewrite your past narrative found at psychologytoday.com. Your past has subjective meaning if you reframe it. According to the theory of narrative identity developed by scholar and researcher Dr. Dan McAdams, we form our identity by integrating our life experiences into an internalized evolving story of ourselves, which gives a sense of unity and purpose to our lives. This life narrative integrates our reconstructed past, perceived present, and imagined future. All three coexist at the same time. Hence, from an experiential standpoint, the past, present, and future are not separate and linear, but holistic and co-occurring. Your past, present, and future are all happening right now, at least in your mind. As American writer and Nobel Prize laureate William Faulkner famously put it, the past is never dead. It's not even past. When you change the meaning and narrative of your past, you simultaneously change the narrative of your present and future, and vice versa. Changing the narrative of your present and future simultaneously alters the meaning or narrative of your past. The story we hold of ourselves is continually evolving and changing based on the experiences we're having. No, the facts about your past can't change, but the story you tell yourself about them absolutely can change. Unfortunately, most people are not strategic about their narrative identity. They aren't conscious of the meaning-making process that instinctively go through in their day-to-day life. And as a result, they often shape limiting stories based on the emotions they're experiencing. Your entire identity and view of the world is a meaning, a story. Here are some questions to ask yourself. Is this story serving you? Is this story what you want to tell? The story you have in your mind about the world at large and yourself as an individual is far from objective. Chances are, much of who you believe you are is based on stories that you tell yourself that have come from experiences in your past, potentially traumatic experiences, wherein you didn't or haven't had an empathetic witness help you to positively and powerfully reframe those experiences. A fundamental aspect of reframing the past is to shift what was formerly seen as a negative experience into a positive one. Dr. Hardy says, having studied this for over a decade, I've never seen a more useful reframing technique than what Dan Sullivan calls the gap and the gain. According to Sullivan, most people are living in the gap. 
they always see what's missing. For example, I could get my daughter a candy bar on my way home from work, and when I give it to her, she might say, you didn't get the one I like. That's the gap. My daughter didn't notice or appreciate the fact that I went out of my way to get her a gift, or that she got a candy bar, or that she got a treat that she wasn't expecting. She only noticed that the thing wasn't what it could have been. She didn't realize that she just gained something. She only saw the gap. Most people live their entire lives in the gap. Dan teaches his entrepreneurs instead to live in the gain. This is actually quite simple. Rather than measuring yourself against your ideals, you measure yourself against where you were before. This is very effective for goal setting. Most people don't like goals because it's emotionally difficult to deal with failure. It also turns out that succeeding or reaching your goals is often a letdown. But these emotional problems are not inherent problems with the goal setting or imagination, but rather about focusing on the wrong thing. Fundamentally, these emotional problems are occurring due to unintelligent meaning-making, and narrative construction. When you get emotionally attached to outcomes, you're living in the gap. When you live in the gain, then all you see is the progress. What you focus on expands. This is important to how your brain works. When you create meaning, then you create a lens through which you see the world. Psychologists call this selective attention. We selectively notice or pay attention to things that matter to us, things which are relevant to our narrative. Our brain ignores information that doesn't fit with our narrative. For instance, when you buy a new car, let's say a Tesla, you start to see Teslas everywhere on the road. The reason you didn't see Teslas before buying yours is that Tesla wasn't relative to your narrative. But once they become meaningful and a part of how you see yourself in the world, then you see them. Selective attention is why Sullivan's concept of the gap and the gain is so important. When you live in the gap, as most people do, then all you see is what is lacking in yourself, others, and the world at large. When you're in the gap, you could be a billionaire but not be happy. All your brain sees is what's missing. Being in the gap also makes you the victim of your past. The past of some experiences is causing you to be the way you are. Psychologists have found that when people view themselves as depressed, then they don't notice or pay attention to the several intermittent moments throughout a given day when they're feeling good. Additionally, when you view yourself as depressed, then the only memories that easily come to mind are those which align with your current viewpoints. The whole past becomes colored by your present identity. What once may have been good experiences are tainted by your current narrative. Shifting to the gain not only allows you to see your depression differently, but it also allows you to see all the moments when you truly weren't depressed. You can become more mindful of your past. You can see that, indeed, 
There were many previous experiences where you weren't feeling depressed. You can then start to focus on those experiences more. But when you shift your focus into the gain, all you see is benefits, even if you didn't exactly reach your goal. This is fundamental to reframing your past. Think about your past for a minute. Think about all the areas where you see gaps or negatives. How could you reframe the meaning of those experiences? How could you turn your gaps into gains? This is how you strategically remember your experiences. You remember your past intentionally, not reactively. You are the one who assigns meaning to your experiences. You're the one formulating the story. So how could you shift the gaps of your past to gains? How could you turn the traumatic experience from PTSD to post-traumatic growth? What good has come from your experiences? Remember, meaning-making is all about assigning cause and effect, shaping the bigger picture, and shaping your identity. Re-remembering the past is about changing the cause of the events, altering your view of reality, and altering your view of yourself. Russell Wayne Baker was a highly regarded and famous American journalist, narrator, and author of Pulitzer Prize-winning autobiography. The thing about that autobiography, though, is that it was originally rejected by publishers as uninteresting. In response to having his story rejected, he told his wife, I am now going upstairs to invent the story of my life. The result was the Pulitzer Prize-winning bestseller, Growing Up. The truth is, this reinvented version of his story was no less true than the original version he wrote. Because the past, like the future, is a story we make up, Dr. Gordon Livingston said, Each of us have similar latitude in how we interpret our own histories. We have the power to idealize or denigrate those characters that inhabit our life stories. We just need to experience both alternatives as reflections of our current need to see ourselves in certain ways and to realize that we are all able to color our past either happy or sad. At this point, it's your job to completely reshape your past narrative. The first step is shifting from the gap to the gain. And here's how to do it. Step one, think about three to five key experiences that you feel have negatively impacted your life. Step two, list all the benefits or opportunities or learning that has come from those three to five experiences. Number three, think about your current view of the cause of those experiences. Then, Rethink the cause. Is it possible that there's more to what happened than you initially thought? What would it mean if something else caused this event? Step four. Think about how these experiences have shaped your view of life and or the world. Then, rethink your view of life and the world. If you looked at this event differently, how would that change how you view life? How would it change how you feel about other people? Step five, 
think about how these experiences have shaped your identity and how you view yourself. Then, rethink your identity. Focus on the gains, not the gaps. How have you grown because of these experiences? What strengths or opportunities have come because you went through this? Why is your future going to be different because you've been through this? What are you committed to doing and being because of what you've learned? Unlike a book put to print or a movie in the can, your story is still evolving and you don't have to complete the ending with the information that you have today. But let's humor ourselves. Are you riding off in the sunset having just slayed the dragon? Were you surprised by the plot twist and unexpected ending? Are you still shaking from the final scene's revelations? Like the popular Netflix miniseries, our plot can be ever-changing with the saga moving into multiple seasons. Everyone's still engaged, back to the writer's table for another all-nighter. We just got picked up for yet another season. Beth Gray leads us in imagining your desired life, how to create it, found on her blog. I'm no longer making promises I can't keep. Like, I'm going to exercise more. This year will be the year I get healthier. I will lose weight. I'm going to find a hobby and stick with it. I will play more. This year, I will start each morning with meditation. Nope. I have no intention of setting myself up to fail, to keep my word because I'm hesitant to give my bond unless it aligns with the perfect life that I envision building. Instead, spend time staring at your vision board, asking yourself whether it continues to represent your perfect life. I invite you to imagine your desired life, the one where you're thriving, aligned, and connected with what you want. What does that life vision look like? In creating your perfect life, start with your dreams and desires from the heart. Dare to ask yourself, what do I truly want? What is your vision for your future when you approach it from a place of love? Allow yourself to get away from life's distractions and find quiet time. Allow yourself space to dream and desire to feel. I invite you not to think and reflect, but to connect with your loving self. This is not the time for defining your dreams, but just allowing yourself to sense and to feel into them. If you allowed yourself to want the very best for yourself, knowing all of your strengths and weaknesses and capabilities, what would you request? Even with tough love, knowing that you need to stretch and grow into this future, what do you desire? Can you connect with your purpose? Where is that place you exercise all of your talents and know you've created your legacy in this world? While you're creating the future you want, consider the people that you love and cherish How will you connect with them through this growth period? What does loving them look like on your journey? Consider your values. What's important to you? Your values inform your thoughts, words, plans, and actions. 
Most important of all, they let you know what's truly important to you. You prioritize your dreams when they align with your values. Before you start planning, find that place of inner alignment. Ask yourself this, is this who I am? While identity can be complicated, like peeling the layers of an onion, deep down, you have a sense of this is who I am. It's not your ego or a construct of your thoughts, but rather a deep inner knowing. When you're crafting your dreams and desires, do you identify with them? Can you deeply sense that they peel back layers you've been hiding behind to reveal more of who you are? Now, imagine and visualize. Now you have permission to get up into your head, but make an attempt to keep it connected to your heart and dreams. Hold on to your values and sense of identity as you imagine and visualize creating your perfect life. Use the following questions as a guide to exploring your life vision. When I genuinely love myself with all my talents and abilities, what activities do I see myself doing? What skills and tools have I developed? How do I spend my days, weeks, and months? What am I doing on the weekends as I create a lifestyle I love? Imagine what you now call work and how you live your life. Create possibilities. Staying in that creative space you've created with your imagination and visualization takes some paper and brainstorm possibilities. Set aside your judgment for now. Drop ideas onto paper. Allow them to flow quickly, imagining how you would create a lifestyle you love. How might you build a life that brings you joy and uses all of your talents and abilities? What is the legacy of your life purpose that you're creating over the coming decade or decades? To get there, start jotting down some ideas where you might need to be in the next five years to achieve this. What activities would you need to be involved in this year to set you on the right path? Checking for alignment. Imagine fulfilling your desires and needs. Once again, allow yourself to sit in silence. Then check your wants, dreams, desires, and needs. As you visualize and picture your life, looking at the ideas that you've created, which ideas feel fulfilling? Is there anything missing emotionally or instinctively? Consider your financial and material needs. Also, take a moment and ask yourself, what am I hungry for? Do your plans and dreams allow you to feel safe and secure? What else is required? Most importantly, check in once again with identifying with your plan. Ask yourself, is this who I'm becoming? Once you know what your perfect life would look like, start to break it down. What can you achieve in the next year, two years, five years? If you're committed to this vision for your life, prioritizing your dreams and goals, what do you need to accomplish in this time frame? People tend to overestimate what can be done in a year and underestimate what can be done in five years. Consider what challenges and obstacles you might be facing at any stage along the way. 
Also consider the success that you're already celebrating. Make sure you know the mile markers that tell you that you are on the right path for your ideal life. If you want to share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, refocus on the bigger picture, your desired life. You have the opportunity to write and rewrite your story since you're continually growing and evolving. When you're ready for your close-up, take a breath and smile. You deserve this moment. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. I stumbled through until the path was clear.